Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, our guests are Richard Von Glan of Missouri Jobs with Justice and Tracy Gleason of the Missouri Budget Project. Today, we'll talk about defending Medicaid expansion in Missouri. I just want to give a note, we are recording this interview on April 19th. Things are moving really quickly in Jefferson City at this time of year, so some details may have changed by the time you listen to this, but we're going to cover some basics and uh, what has been going on in Jefferson City at this time. So, First of all, welcome and thanks for, for joining in this conversation. And let's just start with a an overview of what Medicaid what is Medicaid expansion and how did it become law in Missouri? Sure. Thanks, Kevin. Um, and thanks for uh, hosting me and, and Tracy here today. Um, Medicaid expansion um, was a vote that was held in August of 2020. Missouri had one of the lowest eligibility rates for Medicaid, which is a public health program that helps low-income families, people with disabilities, children, um, pregnant women, seniors, and um, Missouri has had some of the lowest eligibility in the country. Um, The Affordable Care Act, when it was passed, provided states a financial incentive to expand um, eligibility and the federal government would pay 90% of that expansion. And Missouri had resisted that, um, but Missouri voters came together, um, grassroots activists and voters collected nearly 350,000 signatures to place this on the ballot. It was on the ballot of August in August of 2020 as Proposition 2 and passed with an over 6.5% margin of, of victory. So um, Medicaid expansion is really designed to bring our state up to the levels as outlined by the Affordable Care Act, um, which includes um, providing coverage to uh, individuals making up to 138% of the federal poverty level. And to add on to what Richard said just a little bit, when he says we have one of the lowest um, eligibility levels in the country, it is the lowest for adults that's allowed by federal law. So for a family of three, you can only make up to $388 a month. And if you're a custodial parent, be eligible for Medicaid in the state of Missouri. So very few adults in, in our state are able to access that health care. And if I remember hearing correctly, it's also that it is only adults with children can access it as the law had stated up to this point, uh, adults that did not have children were not eligible. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. So what's going on right now in Jefferson City in the legislature surrounding the issue of Medicaid expansion? Where do things stand and what's what are they trying to accomplish? So like I mentioned, voters um, passed uh, Amendment 2 last August. Um, And Amendment 2 is going to raise eligibility for Medicaid on July 1st 
of 2021. Um, and so that is coming up for over 230, an estimated 230,000 Missourians that um, will get access and are predicted to enroll in the program. That deadline and that relief is quickly approaching. Um, however, uh, and, and this was a constitutional amendment. So, you know, with constitutional amendments, the legislature um, didn't really have a lot of requirements to do. Um, however, our legislature has developed an unfortunate habit of um, standing in the way of, of what voters ask for and what voters support. And so there have been some actions taken to really undermine um, not just the expansion of Medicaid, but I think potentially the entire Medicaid program by, um, by underfunding it. And that is what the House passed the budget um, and that does, does not appropriately fund Medicaid for um, the increased eligibility. As you mentioned, uh, so far it has not been funded by the legislature. Um, Medicaid, it, it, the House Budget Committee kind of pulled out funding for expansion unnecessarily um, and kind of used that as a basis to, to, to make some speeches on their thoughts about Medicaid expansion, which as Richard said, has been decided by the voters. We, we've moved past this as an issue. It's what Missourians voted on. It's part of the constitution. It's up to, to legislators now to do their constitutional duty and fund the services. Um, the, the House opted not to do that, but um, the full Senate will also be discussing this as an issue. Um, the, the real kick here is that this is not something that is going to ultimately have a cost to the state of Missouri. We have an obligation to put forward 10% of the cost of Medicaid expansion. But when you look at the studies that have been done and the lessons that we can learn from all of the other states that have already expanded Medicaid, we can pay for that state obligation through savings that we'll see in various health programs that the state already funds, um, as well as increased sales and income taxes that will be generated by this infusion of federal funds to the state of Missouri. So when expansion is implemented, we're talking about $2 billion in federal funds that will come back to our state and create some good quality jobs in the healthcare sector. Those jobs generate income taxes, that economic activity generates sales taxes. So between kind of some of those state offsets within state funded programs, increased revenue, and the fact that the federal government will be paying for 90%, all of the other states have shown us that this could be done in a revenue neutral, revenue neutral or actually positive budgetary impact manner. Name some of the states that have, have made this change um, that, that Missouri has done. And, and there's some surprising names on there, that list, aren't there? Well, you know, I mean, former Vice President Pence um, helped expand Medicaid in Indiana. Um, our neighbor to the south, Arkansas, has expanded Medicaid. Um, Oklahoma is similar to us in that they have not let imp implemented their expansion, but, um, you know, whereas we voted in August, there are voters voted in June of 2020 um, to, to expand Medicaid. You've seen voters in 
Um, Idaho and in Maine have voted to include expansion. I think we often look at studies that have come out of Michigan um, where, where we've seen some sort of clear economic activity. And many states expanded Medicaid the first year that they were eligible to do this. And so these are not studies that are one or two years old and the data is unclear. These are studies that are six, seven, eight years old and you can get a pretty clear picture and you see the impacts that, that Tracy talks about. It's a way for the, the budget in Missouri that we can actually grow the economic pie. We can grow jobs. Um, and when you can grow jobs, you have not just that better um, income tax base to draw from, but, but more people with income means more economic activity and sales taxes that, that Tracy mentioned. We are the 38th state um, 39, if you include DC, to to expand Medicaid. And I want to tag on to to the point Richard made real quick. It, some of those studies, when he said, you know, some states expanded off the bat. When he says seven or eight years old, this is also looking at time frames. There's been a lot of studies that have come out in the last couple of years, looking back over time, that are are continuing to show those benefits. Okay, great. So as we mentioned before, the Missouri law was passed in a way so that it is in our constitution. I've been reading um, articles that said it's going to happen anyways, but the money's not going to be there. So what are the consequences of what happens if the legislature does not appropriate the money? I mean, you're right, Kevin. I mean, eligibility is in the constitution and eligibility goes up on July 1st. Then the question I think will become, does the governor allow the state to process those applications on July 1? You know, the, the short answer to that question may be that it goes to a lawsuit um, in one way or another if that money is not there. But because it is in the constitution, people can apply if it, you know, as long as the state is processing those applications. Um, there will be money in the budget for Medicaid services. Medicaid is not something that's funded by eligibility group. We don't have one pot of funds for seniors and one pot of funds for children. We have pots of funds based on provider types and prescription drugs and, and service allocations, if you will. Um, so then that's where we might see a test of political wills as far as what happens on July 1 moving forward. I think, and to Tracy's point, that part of what the legislature is seeking to do is actually legislate through the budget process. They are, what they are claiming that they can do is um, block funding for one group of uh, people eligible under Medicaid without impacting other groups. But the Supreme Court of Missouri actually ruled last year in a case involving Planned Parenthood um, that that is not true. You cannot legislate, you cannot set policy um, through the budget process. And so because eligibility was is set in the Missouri Constitution as the voters wish, um, my, my concern is what's gonna happen um, is July 1st, eligibility will go up the state should be processing those applica applications as, as is required by the constitution. And so we're gonna have a Medicaid program that will be known to be underfunded from what it will need. And 
Who is covered by Medicaid? Pregnant women are colored by, covered by Medicaid. Children are covered by Medicaid. Seniors living in nursing homes are covered by Medicaid. And so what happens when, if Medicaid runs out of funding? Um, that's, that's a scary question for a lot of people um, that rely on this. And I think it's um, absolutely irresponsible and shameful that the, our legislature is creating that uncertainty. It almost sounds like they're intentionally pitting groups against each other that would benefit. That, that's almost the feeling I get that the, the intention is to have a, an economy of scarcity, which then creates animosity of who gets, who gets what services. Well, hopefully it, it creates uniformity um, amongst a coalition of people who understand just how, um, just how irresponsible this, this decision is, because this can really harm, this can really harm everybody. And the solution there isn't to, um, yeah, ascribe to that notion of scarcity, um, but to really point out, as Tracy has pointed out, and what so many studies have pointed out, that this is not a, a program that we need to think of austerity or scarcity as the model. This is actually an expanding Medicaid, a program that benefits everybody. And to Richard's point earlier, expands the pie that we're dealing with. It, it expands the economy. It has brings thousands of jobs to our state, brings $2 billion in federal funds to our state, and brings more general revenue. So I, I think it's faulty thinking to, to think of this through an austerity lens. And, you know, groups that advocate for seniors, groups that advocate for Missourians with disabilities are supportive of Medicaid expansion. They know that this is good for the overall health of our state. So they aren't buying into the us against them mentality either. If I remember correctly, one of the one of the major uh, surprise endorsements last summer was uh, the Chamber of Commerce in Missouri. That that businesses looked at this and said, "This this is good." And yeah, no, I mean, I I would say the only thing that was inaccurate about that is that's not a surprise. I mean, the Chamber of Commerce wants um, money in the economy. They want tax dollars coming back to the state flowing through Missouri, because when there's more, when there's thousands of jobs created and those people are, are, have income, this disposable income that they can spend on, on other businesses and other shops, you know, that works well. Um, businesses do well when more people are working and more people have income. That's how you see, as Tracy's talking about, sales taxes and things that more than co cover the investment that the state needs needs to make. So, um, I mean, the, the chamber, both the state chamber of commerce and lots of local chambers of commerce, um, all came on board and and were supportive of this. And and I wasn't really surprised by that at all because it just makes sense. Um, so let's get into some of these reasons for not expanding that that have been popping up. So we talked a little bit about the budget. Is there any other information, any other details you want to mention about this idea that Missouri can't afford to expand right now? I, I've heard uh, that come up again and again as, as a major talking point. 
we are fortunate in Missouri in the sense that we can look back at the other states that have done this. If we'd been an early adopter, we were operating on projections of this is going to be good for the economy. Now we can look at the myriad of states that have done this at study after study after study that consistently find the same results that through those state savings, through that increased federal match and through increased economic activity and associated taxes, you can pay for this. When we talk about the cost, we are looking at the evidence, the current evidence from other states, not, oh, there was a higher take up in year one, which, you know, when we talk about, oh, people's costs were higher. It's like a lot of those are looking back at the very beginning of expansion and looking at year one costs. Well, we know now better how to make some of those projections. So I just want to, you know, again, just emphasize the, the um, how solid the evidence is that we're looking at when we look at what's happened in other states. The other thing I would say, and I think as advocates of this, we've pointed this out year after year after year, you know, the budget is also about priorities. Um, and I find legislators who vote for tax cuts year after year and then say, we can't afford the thing that Missouri voters have asked us to prioritize um, to be pretty misleading. I've also seen reports that Missouri's revenue last year was actually better than expected. There is money in the budget. We did not have the decline that we would have expected from the pandemic. Um, the studies that we've we've talked about throughout would more than cover that 10%. The federal government has also offered a really, really significant carrot to, for states to expand Medicaid. And I don't want to confuse the issue because it's important to realize that this is this is not how Missouri would pay for expansion. We, we can do that. We can cover that 10%, um, more than cover it through other means. But the federal government through the American Rescue Plan Act has also offered a bump in the federal matching um, in order to incentivize states to expand Medicaid. And for the state of Missouri, that would be over $1 billion that would flow to our state over a two year period that would free up general revenue that we could invest in other priorities. Um, and that's nothing to sneeze at. And if we don't expand Medicaid, that's a billion dollars that we are leaving on the table that we that our legislature would be opting to say, you know, we, Missouri doesn't have any use for a billion dollars. Um, and I think, you know, we think of, of the wide variety of needs in our state, we, we could put that funding to good use. So another thing that I've heard come up uh, specifically from Representative Dirk Deaton of Southwest Missouri has stated that expansion would, quote, give free health care, government health care to able-bodied adults who can do for themselves. So what's our reaction to a comment like this? What's the truth about those who, one, need coverage to begin with, and then specifically who would be benefit from this expanded coverage? Current eligibility in Missouri is the, was the lowest that nationally is allowed. And it was what Tracy, correct me if I'm wrong, 300, about $380 a month that a single parent of two um, could earn and still qualify for Medicaid. The perverse thing about Missouri's current program is there's what's known as the Medicaid gap in which you can earn too much money to qualify for Medicaid, but still not enough money 
that you would qualify for a subsidy that was made available through the Affordable Care Act. So um, you can have, you actually have a situation in Missouri where you get people who are caught and there's a large number of these people, 200,000 of these people who are working and, you know, are earning not quite enough to qualify for federal subsidies where they could get help on the marketplace, um, but they earn too much to qualify for Medicaid. And, um, you know, by punishing those individuals, I mean, an argument could be made that you are actually almost incentivizing people um, not to try to work or do other things because you can't get a eligibility to, to some of these programs. You're creating a false cliff for people to fall off as they're working and, and improving themselves. We want Missourians to be healthy. If Missourians are able to access that health care, they're able to better function in their lives, they're able to better function as parents, they're able to better function as workers, and that benefits everybody. Um, that folks don't have uncompensated care because they don't manage chronic conditions because they can't afford to go to the doctor. We want people to go to the doctor and avoid going to the emergency room when, when things have become too dire. Um, one other quick point on that, and then we can move on, but about 50,000 of the folks who would be eligible as the adults expansion group, if you will, um, about 50,000 of them are parents. And we know that Medicaid expansion, you know, it might be targeted at increasing access to adults, but it's something that has a lot of, of benefits for kids. Um, when states expand coverage, to adults, more kids end up getting the signed up for the healthcare they need. They end up accessing those well child visits, getting immunizations at better rates, having growth monitored developmental screenings. Um, so there are a lot of spillover effects to children in expanding Medicaid for adults. Okay, great. Thank you. Some legislators are claiming that their the voters in their districts were duped, even though the voters in their districts approved. Um, percentage-wise, uh, the Medicaid expansion. Um, this is a debate that has been going on then in the state for nine, 10 years. Missouri volunteers went out and gathered 350,000 signatures to even get this on the ballot. Um, I, I cannot think of a way in which it was a clearer thing to Missouri voters. And Missouri is fortunate in that we have an initiative petition process in which when our politicians disappoint us or when they make compromises we wish they didn't or when politics gets in the way, we can directly petition one another and solve um, issues our communities are facing through the initiative petition process. So, um, you know, I actually think this is about as, as well vetted a proposal um, as you could possibly have. We've been at this debate for 10 years. Um, as someone who gathered signatures, you know, I could say to people, I, I was amazed at the level of detail people actually understood about Medicaid because we've been talking about it for so long. Uh, Representative Hill also made a comment that he was happy to stand against the will of Missouri voters. So, you know, if, if that's what his position is as a representative, I simply respectfully disagree. And then what does, what does Medicaid expansion mean for our rural communities? Rural Missourians, I think, make up less than a quarter of our state's population. 
but they will disproportionately benefit from expansion. Um, about 33% of those who are expected to enroll are from rural areas. Um, you know, we have a lot of rural economies that are struggling and this will bring much needed critical health care to folks who, who fall in that gap that Richard talked about earlier. So it, it's, it's a big deal and, and it will make for a healthier rural population. Everyone will benefit and one in three Missourian, rural Missourians did vote for it and it wouldn't have passed without those rural votes. And I, I think that it's important that we consider those, those votes as just as important rural yeah. votes. Okay, as we kind of bring things to a close here on uh, on this episode, uh, talk to me about what are some specific actions uh, that your organizations are taking to, to defend uh, Medicaid expansion? What's coming up in the next few weeks? So Missouri Jobs for Justice will be hosting um, phone banks from five to eight every Tuesday um, to help connect with, with some voters and make sure legislators understand um, what the, or are reminded of what the will of Missouri voters were. Uh, we will also be doing canvassing on Saturdays um, and you can find out more information about that by just emailing info at mojwj.org. Um, I believe uh, MCU and actually AARP are also going to be doing phone banks on Tuesday nights and Wednesday and Thursday nights. Um, so if you're involved with uh, those wonderful organizations, uh, you can also get connected that way. We do not have activities, um, direct outreach activities like that, but certainly if folks want to stay informed on the issue, um, they can check out our website and sign up for um, email updates at mobudget, mobudget.org. Okay, great. There's no better place when you're trying to understand what the budget process is in Missouri um, to, to get resources and understand that that process of the Missouri Budget Project. I encourage people to check them out. Okay, great. And then I guess the last thing we can encourage people to do, if you can't participate in any of these, just directly contact your senators. Right now, the, the, the game is in the Senate and they need to hear from all of us. They need to hear why this is important to you and why it's important to your community. So I wanna thank you guys for joining me this afternoon. It's, I know you guys are busy uh, on the ground doing this important work. Once again, our guests were uh, Richard Von Glan of Missouri Jobs with Justice and Tracy Gleason of the Missouri Budget Project. To learn more about MCU, go to the Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustlewis.org. And also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening. 